Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that you enjoy the review that you're about to hear. If you do, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button and you'll continue to get all of my podcasts downloaded into your player of choice all throughout the year. The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name of the show. Today I'm going to be looking at the 13th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe series. It's Captain America Civil War. It's an action-slash-sci-fi-slash-thriller. It's PG-13 rated for extended sequences of violence, action, and mayhem, and it runs 2 hours and 26 minutes. Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Sebastian Stan, Chadwick Boseman, Daniel Bruhl, Scarlett Johansson, Anthony Mackie, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, Don Cheadle, William Hurt, Paul Rudd, Jeremy Renner, Tom Holland, and many more are joining the cast here. The directors are Anthony and Joe Russo, and the screenplay is by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. With Captain America Civil War, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's almost as if it's trying to address the earlier... 2016 release Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. It's almost as if it's in response, even on the docket before Batman v Superman was ever announced. But it's almost an answer to that film. As if Marvel is telling DC, this is how you do a major superhero battle film right. Or perhaps to its own fanboys, after the disappointing Avengers Age of Ultron, how to do an Avengers film right. This one unloads Captain America Civil War into theaters, and it comes out with a reverberating bang. The directors, Anthony and Joe Russo, they've already impressed audiences with one of the best superhero flicks ever in the prior Captain America outing, Captain America Winter Soldier, and prove that they have consummate chops in the genre with another film to contemplate putting in one's top 10 favorite superhero films of all time. The first order of business with Captain America Civil War is that the Avengers aren't just misunderstood like Batman and Superman in their film. The public knows exactly what they have within the universe of Marvel and even sees the importance in these superheroes, but they also want to be able to control them. On their part, the members of the team also see themselves as human beings first with responsibilities to go along with these great powers. They have to mull over some serious considerations that their actions, whether it's in the heat of battle and they're relying on them instinctively, they do carry consequences. So they have to put a little bit more thought into what they're doing while out there in the battlefield, and that battlefield often consists of major urban areas. Now, it's one thing to save the lives of thousands of people, if not millions of people, but if through an error on the part of any one of the super team, they end up killing hundreds all on their own, it's something that will eventually weigh heavily on their consciences as Earth's only line of defense against powerful master terrorists or strange extraterrestrial entities. Now, as with most superhero films, the effects of what they do are global, but the stakes are refreshingly, at least according to this film, completely personal. And that gives us in the audience the ability to invest in these characters who have abilities far beyond anything that we could even dream of in a way that the DC universe has not been able to do under the care of Zack Snyder. Captain America Civil War loosely takes off its idea. It's born from the giant crossover storyline from the comic books, mostly under the direction of comics writer Mark Millar. 
This is a movie that addresses something that's not often remarked on in superhero stories, and that's the cost of the collateral damage, especially in human lives, when superpowered humans battle one another over an urban landscape. The beginning of Civil War shows us firsthand the cost of trying to save people. The Avengers' mission against the villain Crossbones is in the heart of Lagos, Nigeria, and ends up seeing, through a mistake on the part of Scarlet Witch, the deaths of many innocent bystanders, including many from the fictional country of Wakanda. That's when Secretary of State Thaddeus Ross, with William Hurt returning from one of the first films in the cinematic universe, The Incredible Hulk, Ross here is pushing forward the Sokovia Accords, which would enable a law that requires United Nations approval and oversight when superheroes end up engaging in future world-saving battles that might jeopardize the lives of helpless people Tony Stark, he's haunted by the guilt of a young and promising teen's death that resulted from his own perceived recklessness. He ends up signing on, thinking that this law is an inevitable thing, so that agreeing with it now will save them, the Avengers, from a more severe implementation down the road. Steve Rogers, who in the past was once used as a government propaganda tool for things he didn't always believe in, thinks it's a bad idea, and that it would not only open up the superheroes to be used as a tool for a bunch of selfish bureaucrats, perhaps, but also because the absence of quick and decisive action or even inaction in some cases may cost countless more human lives down the road. After a terrorist explosion ends up killing the Wakandan leader, his son, the prince, T'Challa, who also happens to be a superpowered human clad in a pliable form of vibranium, which is the same nearly indestructible substance from which Cap's shield is composed. T'Challa is also known in another guise as the Black Panther. He vows revenge on the responsible party who killed his father, and the signs end up pointing toward Bucky Barnes, who was once the Soviet brainwashed assassin, also called the Winter Soldier, as the main culprit. Bucky Barnes disavows any knowledge, while Captain America, his longtime friend, sees the good in him, at least when he's not triggered into doing something malicious, Captain America ends up protecting his old friend, and together they vow to unearth the real mastermind behind the tragedy. However, they can't get far because acting on their own brands them as criminals because they've refused to sign that accord. And that means the Avengers, who have signed the new law led by Iron Man, have to keep the peace so that costumed vigilantes aren't acting of their own accord and possibly causing more distrust from the public and also the governments that they've sworn to protect. Now, while Civil War is a Captain America film, at least in title, And it does feature its titular hero in a significant enough amount to maintain that status. I think that this could just as appropriately have been labeled an Avengers film because there are more members of that super team in this film than in any entry thus far, with only the notable exceptions of the Hulk and Thor as those members that are missing from the lineup. But don't miss them too long because Hulk and Thor are going to return in their own adventure in 2017's Thor Ragnarok. The miracle of Captain America Civil War is in how it gets us, the audience, on board for the Battle Royale without substantially changing the personalities of the players that are involved or in making either of the sides look malicious.
While most viewers will likely side with Captain America's faction, it is his movie after all, there's a logic and a pathos to Tony Stark's concessionary stance that makes him also heroic in a certain light, even though he directly puts himself as an adversary to those who are also trying to do good. Civil War is also impressive for having just enough time and just enough rationale for each member of either team to be on the side that they choose, with each hero having chances to contribute. This is not just Cap versus Tony and a flavorless army on each side. There is a villain in this film, but he doesn't overtake the movie. He probably is not going to go down into the pantheon of great movie bad guys. He merely serves here as a catalyst for the events that unfold. At the very best, while his modus operandi is the same as Batman v Superman's Lex Luthor, or at least Daniel Bruhl's performance as Helmet Zemo does not erode the goodwill of the film as Jesse Eisenberg manic turn ends up doing. Scripted by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, the team that not only collaborated on the first two Captain America entries, but also created the Captain America Universe TV spinoff Agent Carter, their storyline touches all of the bases necessary to make the film eventually a success. There's a great deal of table setting that's involved in taking the heroes from allies from the beginning of the film to battling frenemies, so it's to their credit that the build-up doesn't feel forced at all or overly contrived to get us to that point, even though it does take some time, at least a good 45 minutes, about a third of the film's 2.5 hour length, for the story momentum to finally kick into high gear and to be that film that we're all expecting going into it. As this is the 13th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's a great deal of overhead, so this is not a film that's very friendly to people just jumping on board here. But I do think that even casual viewers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, maybe you haven't seen all of the entries, or maybe you don't pay that much attention just looking for good fun, I think that those viewers will still have little problem understanding the stakes that are in play and the nature of the two dozen or so characters that are given ample screen time, and that's something to bestow praise upon the makers of this film for being able to deliver with such consummate skill. Now, if there are any lulls to Civil War... I do think that they come mainly in the large-scale action set pieces. They're very jittery. They're very choppy. I don't think that any of them are bad. They're actually very well done. And they're all, each and every one of them, visually imaginative, as well as impressively mounted and choreographed. But there's a curious lack of exhilaration to them that makes them feel like they're perfunctorily checking off boxes of audience expectation instead of being used to try to tell a good story underneath it. The characters fly, they crash, they smash, they pummel each other. They're all going at high speeds when they're doing it. And yet they've lost that feeling of weight or the impact of that destruction to anything that they're doing. So we see a lot of special effects, but it doesn't really have, generally speaking, a lot of emotional impact. Most of the emotional impact is when they take their helmets off or their masks off and actually deal with each other one-on-one despite a lot of well-rendered special effects to make everything look and feel monumental. But obviously, without those big action pieces, fans probably would be outraged that they were not getting their money's worth. So they're there in all their glory, and they're well done, like I said. It just Those are the moments when I feel like I kind of checked out from the film somewhat in order to admire the special effects and was not as invested in the story. 
But at least, unlike Batman v Superman, these action sequences are peppered with some pretty decent humor and some comic relief to make them modestly entertaining as a diversion, even if the sight of buildings crashing on superheroes that we care about really don't resonate the way that they might if we were to witness them happening in real life to characters that we know. It also introduces the Marvel Cinematic Universe to Spider-Man, traditionally Marvel Comics' most popular character worldwide. This is part of a deal between Disney and Sony, the latter of whom desperately needed some revitalization and freshness to this character that had grown stale under their care. Knowing that Iron Man needs allies on his side prior to mounting his quest to roust up Captain America and his crew, Tony Stark ends up personally recruiting the starstruck, impressionable teenager at his home in Queens in a scene which also introduces Marissa Tomei as what might be considered the sexiest Aunt May to date, probably the only sexy version of Aunt May. And Tony Stark appeals to Peter Parker's nature to assume even greater responsibilities in his quest to do what's right. Fans of Spider-Man will be pretty happy to note that the character is more than merely just a cameo in Civil War, even though the purpose of his inclusion is more to set up for his solo adventures with Sony than in making him an integral part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe necessarily, but his inclusion is pretty seamless, all things considered, and more importantly, it sparks a great deal more fun and interest in his character than in anything that could ever have been mustered in the Amazing Spider-Man reboot attempt of the last several years that Sony did. Civil War is well acted, it's nicely paced, it has enough nuggets of fun moments to overcome the heavy amount of plotting that's necessary to set up for the main events of the film, and it ends up rising to the top of the superhero genre to become one of the better entries thus far. It's entertaining in just about every respect for the here and now, and they should also leave fanboys and fangirls eagerly anticipating what's next in store in the MCU. This is all a lot to juggle narratively, and a lot of shortcuts do have to be made in order to keep the runtime down, but I do think that the Russo brothers have continued with Civil War to put the best show one could reasonably ask for in spending one's hard-earned movie-going dollars toward and so I'm going to give Captain America Civil War three and a half stars out of four. And three and a half stars out of four on my scale means that I do think that this is a good film. It's worth going out of your way for if you're interested in superhero films, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's practically a must-see if you want to continue following the various storylines. It's got just about all of the characters, you know, with the exception of Hulk and Thor in here to carry on the series. And so you're going to go see it. You already know that whether you're going to go see it or not. So if you haven't jumped on board the Marvel Cinematic Universe and are curious, this is the kind of movie that makes it worth sitting through the 12 movies to get to it. This is not just for comic book fans. They're actually pretty good movies, I think, overall. Three and a half stars out of four for Captain America's Civil War. Also, I want to let you know that officially released is my guest appearance on the In Session Film Podcast. I join JD, but also Brendan and Negs over on the In Session Film Podcast for the reviews of the Don Cheadle film, Miles Ahead, as well as the film that is on VOD and also being released theatrically in a limited run, High Rise. So check it out. InSessionFilm.com is where to go to get all the details on that. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening, and I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. And I do feel that if you check out Civil War, that probably is going to happen. 